Hi everyone, my name is Ryan Alexander and I serve as the lead pastor at Hosanna. As we've been saying for years, we believe the Lord led you here. And we hope that what you hear today will encourage you to take a step forward in your faith journey and help you look more like Jesus. After today's message, I encourage you to download the Hosanna app for more opportunities to connect and grow. Here's today's message. Well, welcome everyone, whether you're joining us at one of the campuses or you're watching online, either way, really grateful that you're with us today. Uh, If you are one of the people who gives back to God through this church, I just want to say thank you. You really are making our mission a reality. Uh, We are helping, you are helping people look more like Jesus and then multiply Jesus. So again, thank you. And if you would like to give towards that mission because you don't have recurring giving set up, all you need to do is text Hosanna Give to 94000. You'll get a link back. That'll get you started. Otherwise, you can drop your gift in one of the giving boxes in the lobby of your campus. Uh, otherwise, today we are continuing the series that we're in called The Stuff Jesus Did. And it's part of our year long journey where we are focusing exclusively on Jesus because it's always been about Jesus, it's always going to be about Jesus. Uh, Two weeks ago, Pastor Chris kicked things off talking about the fact that Jesus prayed. Last week, we looked at how Jesus related with people because he related with the crowds one way, he related with his closest disciples a different way, and he related with his heavenly Father yet a different way as well. This week, we are gonna continue looking at that, uh, and this week, we are gonna focus on the fact that Jesus served. And I'm just going to be upfront with all of you. Uh, I'm going to use whatever persuasiveness I have to try to convince those of you who are not currently serving to get off the bench and get into the game and put your gifts to use to serve here at your church. Now, uh, before you gather up your stuff to leave, just know that all the doors have been locked and everything, so you're here for a little while longer. No, I'm kidding, obviously. Uh, But I will say this. If you are new or newer to Hosanna, I'm not necessarily speaking to you. I'm primarily talking to those of us who call Hosanna our home church. Uh, But if you are inspired, if you're new and you're inspired to jump in and serve, we'd love to have you. In fact, serving is one of the quickest and easiest ways to get to know other people around here. But the truth is we need hundreds of people across all of our campuses to put your gifts to use and follow the example of Jesus and serve. Now, as I thought about this message, uh, I actually started going down one road and I stopped and, and I actually went a different direction because As I sat and I was really thinking and praying about this, I'm not sure I have to convince you that Jesus served. I mean, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, I think we would all agree that, yeah, Jesus did serve. Whether it's in this church or another church, at some point in time, you probably heard what Jesus said about himself, which was, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I'm quite sure most, if not all of us, have heard the story of how Jesus wrapped a towel around his waist and then he washed his followers, his closest disciples' feet. And we can read that and just miss the the absolute gravity and the impact that that had as Jesus modeled servant-hearted leadership with them. And chances are you've heard Paul's teaching about this gathering. Like he, he likens this gathering with a physical body and what he's just trying to explain is how all of us have a role to play in the local church. When Paul wrote this, he said, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. 
So in other words, God has really designed his church that we are dependent upon one another because we're all hardwired differently. We're all gifted differently. And so if you are not using your gifts to serve, that means our body, our church, is incomplete. But again, I don't think I need to spend much of any more time talking about it because I think we would all agree that Jesus did serve. I don't think any of you would walk up to me after the service and go, you know, biblically, I don't think there's a basis for me to have to serve kind of thing. We're all pretty much in agreement. So there's something else going on here. And in my years of being a pastor, as I've invited people to serve and they've hesitated or uh, I've asked someone why they're not serving, the answers I get back typically are rooted in a misconception, a false assumption. And I've learned to give a ton of grace to people because we all have misconceptions about any number of things, at least I know I do. Um, For example, I'm gonna show you a picture here. Uh, This was one of my early misconceptions, and tell me what that is. Guacamole, right? And the first time that I looked at that, I thought to myself, who would wanna eat something that is green and mushy and turns brown pretty quickly? I had a misconception around how guacamole was gonna taste until I tried it. And of course, it is delicious. I had misconceptions around mothers-in-law. I thought every mother-in-law was gonna be a pain in the neck because growing up before I got married, it's like, you know, you hear stories and jokes about mothers-in-law, so I just assumed all of them were, you know, critical, overbearing, judgmental kind of thing. My mother-in-law is none of those things. Amy and I have been married for over 30 years, and Geraldine has been great every step of the way. She is in her her upper 80s now. Uh, Her body is beginning to slow down. Uh, Her mind is still fairly sharp. She has got a terrific sense of humor. And she loves watching golf, Uh, except she openly roots against anyone that went to the live tour. And so there are times that she and I have been watching golf together, and when someone she doesn't like is on the TV for too long, she actually says to the screen, stop showing him. (laughs) And one, one time as they kept showing the guy, she was like, Oh, that's it. I can't take it anymore. I'm closing my eyes. (laughs) Geraldine is an absolute hoot, and I love her. Uh, There's one more item, though. I feel like I I almost need to clear up some misconceptions around, so let me grab it here, because there's plenty of misconceptions around the White Castle slider. (laughs) Yes, it is real meat, even though it's gray. Yes, the government was thinking about making this the sixth food group, and no, it was not originally created as a laxative. (laughs) We can have misconceptions around any number of things, whether it's a job, a car, an organization, people, food, and the problem with a misconception is it can cause us to miss out on something good. And that is also true when it comes to serving. The misconceptions that people can have around serving can hold them back from taking a step forward in their faith. It can hold them back from experiencing God working in them and through them. It can hold them back from experiencing purpose and fulfillment. And I say that because I just think deep down, we all want to make a difference. I mean, at some point, all of us start asking questions like, God, what do you want me to do? Or what kind of legacy am I leaving? Because I think deep down, we all want to live a life of significance. But when we start asking those questions, those misconceptions can start creeping in and then hold us back from experiencing something good. So the questions we have to wrestle with today are simply this. What are those misconceptions and how do we overcome them? All right, let's start with the misconceptions. In my experience, the three that I consistently hear back from people are this. You don't need me. I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. You don't need me. 
need me. You know, people at all the campuses, you look around and you see all the folks sitting next to you and you might think to yourself, well, you don't need me. Or one of the more unspoken ones might be, well, don't you have a staff member to do that? I'm not good enough. Oh, no, I I don't have the ability, the talent to do what you're inviting me to do. Uh, The close cousin to that is the I'm too good. Like, I'm overqualified for the role that you'd like me to to fill. And then finally, I, I don't know enough. I can't teach or lead or participate in that because I'm no theologian. I couldn't answer a question if it was asked of me. If you have ever thought any of those misconceptions, I am here to tell you each one is false. Not only can God use you, God wants to use you. And I'm completely confident of that based on the story from the Bible that we're going to look at today. So if you brought your Bible, you got your Bible app, go ahead and open up to Matthew 14. Matthew 14, this is going to be familiar to many of us because it's uh, Jesus feeding the 5,000. And just to set the scene here a little bit, um, Jesus gets word that John the Baptist has been killed and he's grieving, and he wants to be alone. So he gets in a boat, sails across to a different shoreline, but the crowd follows him. So when he gets to land, the crowd is waiting for him, and as Jesus typically did, he took compassion on them and started healing their sick. And this goes on for hours and hours and hours. And that is where we pick up the story, Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 15. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowd away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, that isn't necessary. You feed them. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they replied. Now what's interesting about this interaction is uh, when it comes to the disciples, they're not arguing the need. The, The need is obvious. Everyone needs to eat dinner. They just didn't think they could do anything about it. And I don't know if you caught it, but there's an exclamation point at the end of the disciples' statement. It's like they're answering with some vigor at the absurdity of Jesus' statement. It's almost as if they're saying, what are you talking about? We got a few loaves of bread and a couple fish. How is that possibly going to meet the need? Look what Jesus says next. Bring them here. In other words, bring what you have to me. doesn't matter if you think it's a lot or a little. Just bring what you have to me. Then Jesus told the people to sit down on the grass. So, game of telephone begins, word starts going out for everyone to have a seat, and there wasn't just 5,000 people here, because back then they only counted the men. By the time you add in all the women and children, we're talking probably between 15 and 20,000 people, so it's going to take a while for everyone to sit down. And once they're seated, they know something's going to happen, and so all eyes are on Jesus and the disciples. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, Looked, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who are probably completely freaking out. I mean, think about this. Just put yourself in the shoes of a disciple for a second. You're standing there and you're watching Jesus bless this, the bread and the fish and then he takes this small loaf and he breaks it even into a smaller piece and he drops it maybe into the basket that you're holding. I don't know if this, is at, this really happened. This is just me in my mind. But I, I can totally picture the disciple looking down and going, I'm not turning around. I got a single fish in my basket. What am I going to do with that? You turn around. I'm not turning around. I got a sliver of bread in mine. What are we going to do with that? I mean, you got thousands of people staring at you, waiting to see what happens next. And of course, you know what happens next. Jesus gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to all the people. 
They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterwards the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. The principle that we can pull out of this story, folks, if you remember nothing else I say from this message, please remember this, is that the disciples did what only they can do, and God did what only he could do. The disciples did what only they could do, and God did what only he can do. This principle is what God has used over the centuries to build and grow his church. He's used this as plan A to bring heaven down to earth for people to do what only they can do, and God does what only he can do. This principle is the reason Hosanna is here today. This vision that started 40 plus years ago by the founding pastor, Bill Bolin, and it continues today with our lead pastor, Ryan Alexander. They had a vision that this would be a place that, that people would come and look more like Jesus and then multiply Jesus with people who are far from God. They want this place to be a place where anyone, regardless if you're a follower of Jesus or not, would feel welcome and comfortable and like you belong here. To be a place where, where people maybe who have been disenfranchised be the church, from the church would come and find more, more than what the church or life has offered them up until this point. Where people who have questions or are leery of the church could come and learn about Jesus in a way that they would say, I'd go back to that. They may not agree with everything that they hear, but they're willing to come back and learn more about Jesus. Folks, that is success. Far more than counting how many of you are sitting in seats or watching online are the stories of life change. When we hear someone say how God has changed their life or their kid's life or their parents' life. Uh, now, yeah, uh, we measure attendance because it's an indicator of health, but we celebrate life change. Like when that middle school student comes on a Wednesday night for student ministry, and invites a friend. And that friend comes and learns about Jesus and has fun at the same time. And he goes home and mom or dad asks, hey, how did things go? And, the, and the, the son says, oh, it was great. Can I go back? And mom or dad, who maybe don't go to church, are thinking to themselves, wait a minute. My middle school student wants to go to a church? What is going on over there? Or so mom, so mom and dad, they show up on a Wednesday night or maybe a Sunday morning. And they start learning about Jesus in a way that they like. And a seed of faith is planted in a relationship with Jesus. We celebrate when a married couple, whose maybe their, their marriage is struggling, they, they finally decide to include God into their, their marriage. And so they show up on a weekend and they slowly start to learn and grow together. And then maybe they reach out to a pastor who connects them to a counselor. And then eventually they end up in a community group. And slowly but surely over time, their marriage is healed and restored, and it is so much better than it was before. We celebrate when a single mom shows up with two kids and more gear than she can carry, and as she's walking into one of our buildings, a volunteer sees that and comes over and helps and starts carrying the bags and helps her get her kids checked in and shows her the, the rooms that her kids will be in. At that point, she likes the church. She may not like anything that I say, but she likes the church just because of the ways that she was so kindly served. But maybe for the first time in years, she gets an hour alone with God where she is able to reconnect with her heavenly father. And later that afternoon, she calls home. And mom picks up the phone and she hears her daughter say, guess what? And mom almost cringes because she's not sure what she's about to hear. But her daughter says, I went to church today. I really liked it. In that moment, we are celebrating with a mom even though she lives hundreds of miles away because she has been praying for years to receive a phone call 
like that. The only way that Hosanna has been able to experience this or any kind of success is because what started 40 plus years ago, that hundreds if not thousands of people over the years did more than just give money to the mission of the church. They gave something far more valuable, their time, something none of us have enough of. And they, they connected their time with the mission of the, of the church. They did what only they could do. And this is the reason why so many of us are here today. I know it's why I'm here. I'm here because of Beth Anderson. Beth and my wife Amy used to work together and at one point Amy was talking about how we were looking for a new church. And Beth said, hey, you should, you should come check out our church. We really like it and our kids really like it. And so we did. We tried it out, we really liked it, our kids really liked it. And because Beth did what only she could do, God did what only he could do, and he started me down a path that I never dreamt or imagined that I would ever be on, and it has led to me standing in front of you today. And I know if I passed a microphone around all the campuses, there'd be hundreds of stories so similar to mine, that someone did what only they could do, and God did what only he could do, and he transformed your heart. That's something that I am inviting you into today. Let me unpack this creating an environment kind of thing because when that person invited you to church and you accepted when you got to church, there, there were a whole bunch of people there that were creating an environment where God did what only he could do. See, there's this, this is why serving is so important. It's why we so value our volunteers. There's a study that says any new person, whether they're a believer or not, any new person that visits a, visits a church is making up their mind within the first 10 minutes of pulling in the parking lot. 10 minutes. That means long before the music starts, long before they hear any message, they are already deciding whether or not they are, they're going to come back to the church based on the way that they were welcomed or not, based on the way that they were seen or not, based on the way their kids were welcomed and cared for in the kids' area, has a huge influence. What happens on the outside of our worship center doors has an outside influence for people that, man, people who show up in their lives are not going well. Or maybe they feel like they're just holding on by a thread. And here they are giving church and God one more chance. The way that people practically experience the love of Jesus by the way that we serve them can make all the difference. And that's what I'm inviting you into. To help create that kind of environment. It's, it's what a generation of people did before us that we have enjoyed, and now it's our turn to do the same thing for the next generation, to help the next generation find and follow Jesus as well. So, I'm asking you to put down your misconceptions, that you're not needed, you're not good enough, you don't know enough, because those are all false. They're not true. And I'm asking you to put your gifts to use to serve somewhere in your church. So let me get specific, okay? We are looking for between three and 400 people across all of our campuses to jump in and begin to serve, to take some of your most valuable commodity, your time, and connect it with the mission of the church. We need people who are willing to, to hold, rock, read stories to babies and, and infants, toddlers, because not only are you laying a foundation of faith for those kids, you are giving parents an hour alone with God that could completely change a marriage, that could change the direction for a family. Across all of our campuses, we need uh, people to serve on our production teams. Um, let me back up. 
I want to talk to you guys for a second first. Guys, I'm, I'm asking you to step up and be something that you don't consider yourself to be, but yet you can easily become, and that is a positive male influence for teenage boys. By being a small group leader on Wednesday nights in middle school ministry, you have an opportunity to influence this next generation for Jesus. When you, don't, you know this, it is so hard for a kid that age to actually embrace and live out their faith around, around friends and, and in school. And you know that there's going to be some kids in these groups that may not have a positive male Christ-centered influence in their life. This could be generation changing by serving this way for students. Now, I'll talk about the production teams. Across all of the campuses, we need people to serve on our production teams. And what you may not know about this is that the vast majority of people on those teams, they are all volunteers. They are people that came in with no technical background or anything. We trained them up. And now because of what they do, they're so good at it, we don't even know they're there. Or maybe you're more of an out front person. Maybe you want to serve with our, our hospitality teams. You want to greet people at the door and help create that warm, welcoming environment for people so they feel comfortable and like they, they belong. Uh, okay, so someone's trying to get my attention. I, I understand it. You can bring the camera back up here again. I just remembered that I failed to mention that at the Shakopee and Lakeville campus, there are also opportunities to run a camera. <laughs> are we good now? Are we good? Okay, good. Now those are just a few of the dozen of different areas in which you can serve. Some are on Sunday mornings, some are during the weekdays, some are during the weeknights. Some of these opportunities are as little as one hour once a month. Uh, some can be done, done together as an entire family. So chances are, regardless of your schedule, there is a place for you to plug in, put your gifts to use, and serve, and, and continue to discover more purpose and fulfillment. But that's just not me talking. I'm going to show you just a really quick, short video here. We, we asked a couple people who are currently serving, tell us your story. Why do you serve? Take a look. Hi, my name is Jim Enneking. I lead a small group here at Hosanna. My name is Kelly Quaid. What I enjoy about serving with student ministries mostly is the relationships I build with the kids. It gives me energy. It, gives, it fills my bucket in ways that, that I, I, I couldn't do just by going to Sunday service. We let go of our fleshly things when we serve and the Spirit comes in and He prunes us and He grows us so that those flowers of faith can come. I have a little girl in my group who's coming back and bless her sweet heart, she will ask questions that I'm not sure I've asked about the Lord. I, I truly, truly, truly believe that, that you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to think that you're not going to be scared at some point. But what you have to believe and you have to remember is that where two or more gather, Jesus is with you and he's in that small group with you. I would just encourage all believers to really pray over where is God asking you to move, where is God asking you to work, because blessing comes from being his hands. I promise you will you will be great, you will be amazing, those kids will love you forever and, and you will grow in your faith through this experience, I, I guarantee it. I firmly believe with my entire heart that when we serve, that is when we are sanctified. In just a moment, uh, the campus pastors are going to come up and tell you exactly how you can sign up to serve. Uh, but before that happens, let me just, a few quick closing thoughts here. 
Uh, number one, when you sign up to serve, you are not signing up to serve in that area forever. Okay, we, we want you serving out of a, a, your sweet spot. And so if you start to serve in one area and it doesn't feel like a fit, it's okay to go serve in a different area. That's just fine. Secondly, I'd like to talk to the folks who are watching me online right now. And if you have not come back since the shutdown, I want to invite you back. I get it for some of you, for health reasons, that's not a possibility. But for the rest of you, I want to invite you back. Because I run into people pretty much every week who will come up to me and say, this is my first week back since the pandemic. And I am so grateful. I am so grateful when people and families come back because watching online can only take you so far in your faith. God designed our faith to be lived out together where we get to experience biblical community with one another and serving is part of that. So if you haven't been back, now's the time to re-engage with your church. I also want to speak to those of you who maybe served at one point, but for whatever reason, you stepped away. Uh, and that reason you left might have been our fault as a church. We own that, and I'm sorry for that. But if you think about it, if you got a bad haircut, you didn't stop cutting your hair altogether, right? Like you just went someplace else and you tried again. So I want to invite you to give serving another try. Because without you, our body is incomplete. And then finally, a word of encouragement. What might start out as a have to can easily become a get to. And what I mean by that is, okay, some of you might be thinking, fine, Jason, you've talked me to death, I'll do it, I'll sign up to serve kind of thing. And at first it might feel like an obligation, but it can quickly become, I get to do this. And I say that because I know so, I just, countless people, like there's one woman that I know, she volunteered uh, with a group of uh, small group middle school girls. And she so enjoyed the experience that she just stayed their small group leader all the way through when they, until they graduated high school. She so valued the relationships and, and that interaction that she had that she actually went back and changed careers. She got her teaching degree and she is teaching in a classroom today. She is living out what truly she believes is her purpose and calling and she would have never found it had she not volunteered. So I'm just saying, who knows what, may, what God may do in you and through you as you just say, listen, I, I'm willing to do what only I can do and then you get a front row seat for watching God do what only he can do. I'm inviting you to take your most valuable commodity, your time, and connect it with the mission of this church so that people can find the help, hope, and healing the way that we did through a relationship with Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just begin by saying thank you for the example that Jesus gave I mean, he willingly gave his life for us. So Lord, as you've stirred in people's hearts, give us the courage to act on it. Give us the courage to follow the model of Jesus and put our gifts to use to serve, knowing the eternal impact that it can have on countless numbers of people who are looking and searching for more, searching for you. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for the people who will step up. Thank you for the lives that will be changed. And we will give you all the credit and, and glory because of it. And we pray all of this in your son's powerful and precious name. Amen. Amen.